Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. Today I'll be speaking with Anne Battelle. Anne is CEO and co-founder of Ready School of Digital Integration. She's a 2006 graduate from KS Pilot in Denmark, a hybrid of a business and design school. From 2006 to 2009, she worked as a corporate social responsibility consultant. In that capacity, she developed and implemented Samsung Electronics' award-winning corporate social responsibility strategy for Scandinavia. Since 2006, Anne has managed her own humanitarian project, Kids Have a Dream, which organizes global workshops to empower youth through drawings and discussions about their dreams for the future. The project has reached over 4,000 youth in 34 countries and has been implemented in collaboration with organizations such as UNAIDS, Rotary International, and Amnesty International. Welcome to the show, Anne. I'm so excited to have you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great. So let's get started. Um, Anne, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? I certainly can. I think um, Steve Jobs was very right that everything makes sense <laughs> when you look back, but not necessarily when you're in it. I think that's Basically, the, the story in, in my case, um, I studied first at a school called the Chaos Pilot in Denmark, which is an innovation management school um, that is very strongly focused on um, value-based leadership. Um, from there, I, after three years, joined a consultancy company working on corporate social responsibility. Um, mainly um, focusing on Samsung Electronic and how they could integrate into the Scandinavian market, working with culture and social projects. I then got a Rotary Peace Fellowship to study in, in Japan, um, where I did a master degree in peace studies, um, focusing my master degree on open innovation processes, because I could see that many of the social and environmental challenges that the world is facing today are so complex that they cannot just be solved by a small group of people, but we need to use collective intelligence to come up with many good answers. Um, and at the back of that, you need a, a good technical model um, to, to run the platform. Um, that led me to, to write my thesis with Open IDEO in Silicon. There I met at Stanford University um, and their Peace Innovation Lab. They gave me the wild card to then go to Germany to set up uh, the Berlin Peace Innovation Lab, which I ran for three years. And one of the byproducts of the Peace Innovation Lab was the Ready School of Digital Integration, which I 
co-founded with Sadi van Herden um, in 2015, in which I run now as the CEO. So that's, it all seems so smooth. It wasn't planned like that, but <laughs> now it's all making sense. <laughs> wow, what an incredible journey and um, just some fascinating uh, experience that you have. Um, tell us more about the Ready School of Digital Integration. What makes it successful? How does technology break down barriers and bring people together? Um, and you, you say that it's building new solutions to old problems. So can you share more about that? Certainly. So Ready School um, was founded in 2015 in the middle of the so-called refugee crisis in Europe where we could see um, between 2015 and 16, we had about 1.2 million refugees, mostly from Syria, arriving in Germany, probably um, also in the US, you, you saw some of the images. Mm -hmm. um, and what many people saw as potential challenges and problems, um, I saw in a very different way, also being a foreigner living in Germany, that I saw many young, talented people with lots of experience and, and an eagerness to work coming to Germany and, and instead of seeing problems, I saw opportunities. Um, and, and what really inspired me was a conversation that I had with a young man called Mohammed, who I met in a refugee camp. Um, and Mohammed is originally from Iraq. He did his master degree in, in computer science at, at the university in Baghdad. Um, but he came as a refugee to Germany, and of course you don't flee with a laptop under your arm. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a as a computer um, geek, I guess, um, it's absolutely devastating um, to not be able to continue programming. Um, mm -hmm. And Mohammed was super scared that he would lose his skills and his ability to continue programming, which would be the option for him to really get a job in Germany. Um, and that really inspired me because working a lot with, with startups um, and in the tech industry, I knew that currently there's 124,000 available jobs in the German job market. And the German industry is losing billions of euros on an annual basis because we don't have access to tech talent. Um, so, so Ready School was really sparked from this idea of creating a win-win situation where the, the refugees arriving looking for jobs would be trained and get the professional network the, the tech skills and the soft skills to get hired um, and at the same time we can help the german industry do much better because they would get access to talent and through that we are getting more um, job market integration in germany which of course is is also um, something good for the for the german society in general yeah, that's great. It, it definitely is solving that problem. How long is the program, uh, the training program that you put together for these refugees? So Ready School, um, you can basically explain as being three different pillars. So we have a kids program, we have a digital literacy program, and we have a, we call it the digital career program. So we're, we're teaching three different groups of people, the kids and the youth, I guess they're self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. The digital literacy program is um, predominantly women, but also a lot of uh, relatively young migrants, especially from sub-Saharan Africa, so being 
Eritrea, South Sudan, Somalia, etc. Um, and in the high-end tech program, um, we are teaching five different disciplines. So there's a track, for instance, for web development. There's a track for data sciences. Um, there's a track teaching Salesforce. There's a track that is teaching IoT, so um, Internet of Things. Mm -hmm. And these are kind of three different levels. So there's one for beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Um, and every every course are four months and a combination of uh, technical training and soft skills training and um, all students are working on their projects all along that they will then present on the last day which we call demo day so so yeah a program in itself is four months but many of our students take several courses after each other in order to build the skills necessary to to get a job or paid internship in in germany and then what what does your placement rate look like so how many what percentage of the the refugees will get a job in Germany? So we are asking our alumni every um, six months what they're doing. Um, and in the last survey, we could see that 75% um, of our former students were in jobs. Nice. Um, and of those, 50% were working in the tech industry. And 25% were working with technology, but not necessarily per se in the tech industry. Um, and the last 25% um, were unemployed, but that also includes people studying, for instance, at university or doing other kind of education. So not necessarily actively looking for a job, but rather who are reskilling. So, um, so yeah, the, the numbers are looking really, really good. Yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. And, and, you know, you're making such a big difference in their lives, which is just amazing. Um, I'm thinking that with COVID, you went virtual on these programs. Are you doing them virtually now or did you stop them? Thankfully, um, we, we work closely with the Vodafone Foundation um, and they have been able to provide internet for our students, also the students living in refugee camps, because in Germany, um, it's very rare that the refugee camps actually have internet connection. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, taking all our courses online, of course, you can only participate, A, if you have a laptop, B, if you have internet, mm -hmm. um, C, if you have the skills to get online. Um, and actually, the, the last part has, has been part of the challenge, because in many of our digital literacy programs, our students are just learning how to use a laptop and and when you're still learning how to make sense of what is a mouse and a keyboard and mm -hmm. what is a desktop it's a pretty steep learning curve to all of a sudden join a, a microsoft teams <laughs> uh, <laughs> lesson nonetheless um we we were doing a lot of hand holding i have an incredible team who are just in, just so dedicated to help our students. So we are literally calling up the students and guiding them through what do you see on the screen and say, okay, top right, click that button and then this is gonna happen. And working with, with like sometimes even explaining to the kids of our female students how, how to help their moms so that the mothers would get online. And um, this is how we have managed with with hands and feet and phone calls and <laughs> whatever works basically at the moment in in germany um 
we are in sort of a, a, getting close to a lockdown, but not quite yet. Um, mm -hmm. So, so at the moment, when possible, we are we are still teaching in person because it, it's it's just much more effective. It's a better learning experience for our students who otherwise can't participate at the same level. Mm -hmm. um, but we are just really actively teaching them how how to use online learning tools so that that we will stay in contact with them. So in the case of a new lockdown, um, we can just continue with the, the lessons as before. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And, you know, through this, these challenges that you're experiencing with going virtual, they're also learning a whole new skill, which is so amazing. Like you said, if there is a lockdown, they would still be able to continue their education, still be able to maybe have this virtual community to depend on on a daily basis. So, um, you know, with everything comes a reward. Some of the challenges bring us rewards. Um, you know, we, we say in the U.S. that uh, two years of digital transformation uh, during these um, unprecedented times has taken two months because people had to pivot, they had to learn, they had to do it. And so it's really changed that whole digital transformation experience. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's it's definitely been the the experience we've had in Europe as well. The only thing that I'm I'm worrying about is is the people who are already digital are are able to just go online really fast, but the people who might not have the financial means to to buy a laptop or or a mobile phone or to have steady internet or who might not know how to use a um they they are getting more and more isolated, um, and sometimes it's it, it's small things that can make a, a huge difference. In in Germany, I can definitely see a lot of elderly people getting more isolated um, because all the activities that they used to go to are not happening anymore. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of in their apartments and and they don't have the skills to go on. Um, and I think a lot of people who, who, from a financial perspective, also don't have the means are are potentially falling more and more behind. So I think it's it's a good time to also reflect on, on the digital gap and, and how we can make sure that no one is left behind. No, completely agree, completely agree. Um, so in 2018, you won the Victress Award for Outstanding Female Leadership. I'm not surprised. You're just amazing in all the good work you're doing. What are some leadership best practices that you can share with our listeners, you know, that can just learn from your journey? Oh, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things I have learned along the way. Um, I think the most important leadership principle for me is is always the idea of co-creation. So so I see my role as a leader as, as a facilitator. Um so not being the almighty one who knows all mm -hmm. the all the answers, but um possibly my role is better to ask the really intelligent questions um and making sure that I hire the right people to the team. Um that the right structures are there, that the teams can make the decisions the closest to to the information and the data and the people that, that they're working with. Um, and I think the reason why Ready School has been so fast in, in five years has really been that 
we were always from the very beginning co-creating our classes and and the structure of the school together with the refugee community um so so our students have a very much an ownership in the school um it feels like one big family and and that they are just part just like everyone else um, we can see that um 20 percent of, of our teachers now are actually former students of ours who are now in jobs but want to pay forward what they learned with us so i think that's a wonderful dynamic i would say co-creation i think it is and the, a, the ability to be able to facilitate groups and bringing out the collective wisdom in groups is definitely what i would say is, is probably my my superpower and what has been making ready school a great success so far that's great and i love that you said it's more of a collaborator a facilitator rather than a dictator because um, we have so many people on our team that are so bright and to take their intelligence and bring it together as a group can only do great things and so i i love that uh best practice and I share that same um, best practice with you as I lead my team. So thank you for that. Stay tuned for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor. Are you an expert in your field? Are you a woman who values thought leadership? We'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of Tech in the Right Direction. Visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. While there, be sure to check out Directions Training's newest initiative, the WIT Cloud Power Scholarship for Azure Fundamentals Certification. This year, we have offered 100 scholarships to women for the Microsoft Azure Fundamentals Training Course, valued at $950 per student as an opportunity to start their pathway to becoming a Microsoft Certified Professional. Help us continue to drive social change and the advancement of women in the technology industry. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. We now rejoin our host, Jennifer Didier, with today's guest. Um, I know you're very passionate about social entrepreneurship. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the work you're doing in this area. Yeah, so I've, I guess I've been a, a social entrepreneur since I was a, a teenager. I'm um, mm -hmm. starting my, my projects, um, I guess, when I was 12, really. And then the projects just tended to get bigger and bigger. And eventually you realize you need an organization and you need to pay staff and all of that. <laughs> um, so you need a, a structure. Um, my first big project was was something called Kids Have a Dream, where I was organizing workshops for teenagers um, around the world, where they were um, working with a local social worker or teacher to to draw what their dreams for the future. So I started the program in 2006, and and since then I have been collecting dreams from around the world um, from teenagers, which is just fascinating. One of the biggest dreams in Europe right now, um, I guess in the US too, um, is to become a professional YouTuber or I guess maybe <laughs> TikTok now. Um, and, and in 2006, when I started the, <laughs> the project, um, that was just the very beginning of YouTube. Um, 
so so this is is really fun when when we are working with with students to really say you need to learn to think outside of the box because mm -hmm. the the job that we'll be doing in the future are very different possibly like it might not even exist yet mm -hmm. so you know feel free to think wide and far like i don't know border control to mars or something <laughs> um, so 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 this is something that i've been doing for a long time but the the challenge with kids have a dream was that I was never really able to find a business model that could even just support myself. Mm -hmm. So so I was always consulting doing other projects on the side as a freelancer to kind of make enough money <laughs> to pay the mm -hmm. rent. Mm -hmm. um, so I could be doing social projects and and now with Ready School I've I've got a staff of, of 48 people. Um, oh. So so things have changed. Um, but I think that has made me really passionate to to say, okay, it's great to have social impact and you can you can make wonderful projects, but if you're not able to sustain yourself as a minimum, but ideally um, to have a functioning business model that that you can pay staff um, so that you can scale your project, then then we're going to have a challenge. So this is something that that I'm still passionate about. I mean, ready is going well, but we have three times as many applicants as we have spots um, mm. and that is only a matter of, of finances to if we were getting support from the German government which we are not um, we would be able to take in more students or um, if there was more support on a municipality level say in Hamburg we could scale the school to Hamburg but um, the cost per student per semester at ready school is a thousand euros to basically pay for for the teachers the the laptops mm -hmm. the school the every all the support um so, so this is something that that is still a, a a big challenge for me is to understand how can we make it easier for social enterprises to scale um i think the the european market is is still quite different from, from the, the US market. We don't have as much freelance in Europe as in the US. Um, mm -hmm. In Europe, education and the whole social sector is, is very um, supported by the, the social welfare system, but it's also very bureaucratic. <laughs> so it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily, be, it's not easy for social entrepreneurs to work with the government and get support through them. There's still a lot of work to be done. Now, how do you support uh, Ready Schools today? How do you get funding for that today? We have really good partners. Mm -hmm. um, so actually a lot of US-based companies. So so Microsoft is, is a great funder. Um, mm -hmm. Facebook is there. Um, the Coca-Cola Foundation, for instance, is supporting our women. I think we have at the moment about 10 large funders that are supporting us. Um, mm -hmm. Some come in because they're looking for talent. So it's basically part of their recruiting pipeline in order to, to get the best of our students um, to start working for the company. In the case of, of foundations, it's of course charity, um, doing the right thing, making sure that that there's a more just access to, to education. Um, we also work in Munich on a municipality level. So we have a 
fantastic partnership with the with the city of Nam, where they pay for um, five of my employees in Munich. Um, and in return, we need to teach at least 50 students per year. That is a model that I would love to scale because it, it gives us the flexibility to adjust the program every semester um, based on the feedback that we're getting from the students. And as we know, the tech industry is moving so fast that we need to change the curricula of, of what we are teaching every, every semester to stay on top of things. Um, and this is not necessarily a model that actually works if you want to say work with the German job centers, because they want to know exactly who is teaching, what is their CV, how have they been certified, have you got mm -hmm. certified content, etc. And and that is actually a much much too slow and inflexible process to be working in the tech industry. So I'm I'm super grateful to our partners who who make it possible for our participants to to take part um, for free. Um, I, I guess it, it's. I don't need to say that the refugees who arrived don't don't have the possibility mm -hmm. to. So, so this is made possible by very generous donors. Very nice, and hopefully my podcast can get to some listeners that can you know um, find opportunities to uh, find you some more partners so that you can train more students because. Um, that's really where you're making a difference, and um, and you have some really good stats on placements, so you know you're making a difference in uh, the work that you're doing. So hopefully, you know, uh, we can reach somebody's heart through this um, through this podcast, and that would be great because you know we're really the reason for this po podcast is to help women to help. Uh, underserved markets um, so that we can do more. So, you know, thank you for all the great work you're doing. And I know it's challenging funding, um, but you're trying to do more and you're trying to scale. So, um, you know, anything we can do to help, we want to continue to do that. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> thank you. Sure. Um, so with all your success comes a lot of work, and I know you work a lot. <laughs> Can you share some ways that you achieve work-life balance, if there is even such a thing? Um, I guess there's several things that I've learned. Um, yes, I definitely work too much, um, but yeah, it, it's paid off. Um, would I do it again if I knew how much work <laughs> it would take? <laughs> Actually, I think no. Um, but I'm very happy I did. Um, I, I've i been working with an external coach um, who's, who's a body therapist um, to just make sure that I I stay healthy and, mm -hmm. and, and in balance because, um, of course, we as human beings have blind spots. And, and what I have definitely learned as a leader is that your team is often um, mirroring back your blind spots <laughs> in a way that is not always nice. Um, so, so if I'm working too much, um, then my team also tends to be working too much and, you know, we haven't suffered from burnout or anything like that, but, but I, I want to have a healthy team. So that also means, means that I need to have a look <laughs> at myself and, and improve. Um, so having an external coach has been super positive. I have also recently just bought a farm with my husband, um, an old farm that we're renovating 
thing. So I've, I've realized how therapeutic it is to just paint and do things with my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to podcasts when while painting. <laughs> Um, it definitely brings you down a, a gear and then and just have time to reflect. Being in nature, working with my body definitely works. Um, I've also now rediscovered sort of the wonderful things that COVID is also making possible in terms of online lessons. So um, one of the big joys last week was that I was actually taking part in like a free dance class online where you're just dancing with people from all around the world mm, <laughs> uh, at the that. same time in the living room and it was just so much um so so i'm loving these things that are kind of popping up whether it be like online choir practice or online dancing online yoga or all of these things but where you can be doing collectively because of the internet those are great ideas definitely um immerse yourself in other things besides work to you know, get your mind off of it, and then you're fresher at work to do a better job. Um, so as a woman in tech, what are some of the challenges you've experienced? And tell us how you overcome them, because, you know, we all as women um, are in a male-dominated industry, and so there's been challenges along the way. Can you think of one or two and what you did to overcome them? Um, so it's interesting because... It kind of depends on the definition of of what is a woman. And anyways, I'm 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 not a techie. My background is innovation management. Um, so although I'm very immersed in the tech sector, I wouldn't actually consider myself a techie. And therefore, um, I have been spared a lot of the challenges that women who who can code are experiencing in, in, in the job market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think it, it's important to kind of differentiate and, and, and I know the challenges of some of these women, but, but by not being a techie, I think I haven't, um, I haven't really experienced that to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm super blessed also because I have a, a husband who started a, a female accelerator to get more women into starting up companies um, nice. and then there I I know from a lot of the women that that I mentor in in the accelerator that talking to VCs and I would rather consider myself a, a founder than a techie but I, I think in Germany we also only have 16% female founders um, and and one of the challenges is because female founders tend to get less funding from VCs mm-hmm. um, but I also be I've been spared <laughs> that experience because I run a nonprofit and mm-hmm. no VCs would get any a nonprofit because they wouldn't get their money back. <laughs> um, so I haven't experienced that either. So you know my my life has been blessed in in many ways. Um, the the biggest challenges that that I'm facing, but I think it's n- not depending on my gender is is um working with the bureaucracy in -hmm. germany um of course it's it's hard for anyone but i'm 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 nation my passport so i'm a foreigner to germany and just trying to understand the the german bureaucracy and 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 communicating in the right way is 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 what i'm finding difficult and Mm -hmm. that is that is not to play german 
bureaucracy it's rather <laughs> just to to state the matter of fact that that it's it's taking time always for foreigners to 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 understand the system and be part of the system to learn the language etc mm -hmm. so you know i, I actually I, I would say i've i don't know i've been blessed in many ways but but i also believe that like i guess it was spider-man's grandma saying you know with the great uh, powers comes great responsibility and mm -hmm. I think in many ways I've been raised in, in Scandinavia kind of I realized I've been born into the world with a silver spoon in my in my mouth mm -hmm. I have have experienced little challenges but I better <laughs> make the best use of that and I have a I, I very strongly feel a responsibility to to make sure that the fortune I have just been happy and, and lucky to be born into I need to make the best out of that. So that's I know I'm great. not directly answering the question, but yeah, know. no, no, that's great. Um, you have different challenges with the bureaucracy and, you know, different challenges in adapting into a country where you're still learning and navigating through. So totally understand. Um, this has been so great, Anne. You are just an inspiration to all women. I'm just so inspired and motivated to do more after talking to you. Um, so in closing, what advice would you give to a woman considering a career in the, in the tech industry? I would say talk to your best friend, both if it's a man or a woman or in between, um, and do it together. I think it's super important to be peer learning, um, to continue growing together, to keep going together. It's we need more women in the tech industry. So if if two, you know, good friends could do it together, then we are two more people, um, and it's mm -hmm. it's making it a little. And just get started if you haven't jumped into it. <laughs> the first step is often the hardest. I love that, you know, having a buddy. I know when I started doing exercise uh, many, many years ago, it was like I hated it. But because I had a neighbor that I went with and she and I would go regularly and either she would call me and say, okay, let's go, or I would call her depending on the day, um, we accomplished so much more. So having a buddy is a great way to get into something that, is new and you know helps you grow. I love that. Um, so, what is the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you? Um, I'm pretty easy to find online. So, um, Anikia Battle is my name. Um, if you put it into Google or Bing or any preferred channel, um, look me up. You'll get to to Ready School online. Um, there, you can also find my email address. Um, it's very easy. It's Anna at ready r-e-d-i minus school.org um so feel free to 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 reach out um always super happy to to talk to people i'm on linkedin as well so finding me shouldn't be a problem perfect well thank you Anne. it was a pleasure and an honor to have you as a guest on on the show and uh let's keep in touch thank you very much for the interest Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week.
From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.